Hello and welcome to The Cinema Show, where we bring you movie news, reviews, and insights right here on our podcast. I'm Dylan Martin. Here with me is Jackson. Hey guys, what's up? <laughs> How's it going? And lovely Lori. Hello, Dylan. We are doing something a little bit differently. Well, we're going a little bit off our normally scheduled recording because we had just finished watching the 93rd annual Academy Awards. And what a show <laughs> that was. Uh, so this is pretty much our live reaction of what we just watched. Before we get into the nominations and the winners of those categories, obviously it was going to be a different show. We already knew that going in. Mm -hmm. Social distancing. It wasn't going to be in the Dolby Theater. I felt the the energy already just from that, the change of venue. But, yeah, um, I guess the most notable one was Trivia Night at the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> In general, thoughts about the overall show? I'm very upset at the format change, and let me tell you why. Because <laughs> okay. they decided to end the night not on Best Picture, as they've always done, but... On Best Actor, which everyone thought was going to Chadwick Boseman, right? I mean, how can they not? And they ended the night on Anthony Hopkins winning the Oscar, pulling the upset. Well, okay, okay, hold on, hold on. I wouldn't say upset. Okay, so I thought they were going to save Best Actor for last because of Chadwick Boseman, which I thought was fitting. Uh, they wanted to pay their respects. And I'm like, okay, great. They're setting up for Chadwick Boseman to cap off the night. And I will say, I guess we could talk about the the late the last nom nomination category. But if it wasn't for the tragic passing of Chadwick Boseman, I still think Anthony Hopkins not only gave the best performance of the nominees, but one of his best in his entire career. I'm happy that he did win. I'm just very shocked that it wasn't Chadwick Boseman. And that's why I agree with you as to why it's not really an upset. But, like, in looking at it in that way, how they didn't ultimately give the Oscar to Chadwick, that's the upset. Same page. Best performance, probably, of his career. Yeah, I'm going to start off mine by starting by saying uh, I'm not sober. Uh, because it's Oscar Neither night. Neither am I. <laughs> and on Oscar night, it's a big deal. We're big movie buffs. So, of course, I always celebrate the Oscar in Oscar fashion. You know? So, <laughs> let me just start off with that. Second of all, this is why you don't stray from the formula. I'm very upset. Part of the thing that I love so much, and maybe, you know, I am. I am. I'm one for tradition when it comes to... I love the pomp and circumstance of the Oscars. I love that it's more formal. I love that the, the award show in itself is something that's... You know, it's like Prince William and Harry. You know, when they got to go to the important functions because they're the prince, they got to dress up, you know? Uh, but that doesn't mean they're not who they are. You know, I like I liked the ceremony of it. And they really just, it wasn't just, hey, we're going to try something different. They threw it out the window and they burnt, lit a match and burnt it to the ground. Uh, they were mm. really trying to go. I felt that this year it was going, they were really trying to make it a point to not be that traditional Oscar uh, to its detriment, I think. Um, because that's the whole thing. Everybody was counting on the fact. That's why 
they always have a protocol of what goes in what order. That's why best picture is always at the end because there's no telling what's going to happen. They're all sitting there like, no, let's switch it up. Let's make this because it wow the moment. But then it didn't happen. And now it's going to be a thing because it didn't happen. And if they would have stuck to the formula, it wouldn't have been that bad. Uh, I, I, I think it would have still been noticeable, but it wouldn't have, have left the night so anticlimactic because you really could, you know, it was very, the energy was very weird at the end of the Oscars. And uh, I, yeah, so I didn't care for it. I didn't care for uh, not only the graphics that look, you know, for all of the categories that look like I could have done them off my laptop. I don't know the informality of it. I just think there's a way for it to still be keep its integrity with its some of its tradition, but still be updated. And I miss that. I really did. Do you think that they might have switched up the categories, specifically the actor, actor and actress being last because maybe they knew Anthony Hopkins was going to win and it not be Chadwick Boseman. And you would have had that just weird vibe after anthony hopkins was announced do you think that might have been like uh, they kind of wanted to end it off on that and just just wrap it up shut down the cameras and let's pack it up go home so that way we don't have to stay with that lingering feeling of disappointment in the room do you mean before they started to light the torches and riot <laughs> Like, oh, no, we have to leave it to the end. We'll never get to best picture if this happens. They'll steal the cameras. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying now. Like, if the episode happened before picture, no one would be talking about the best picture win. Everyone would be talking about the actor category. So, yeah. mm. Maybe that's what it was. Because, I mean, I'm sure you both thought as well that they were... Saving it for last to set up a Chadwick Boseman ceremony to remember him and to honor him with the win. So, yeah. It, and also the Oscars itself kind of wrapped up very quick after they announced Anthony Hopkins. We're recording this at like 1040 p.m. Here's a little uh, behind the scenes action information. We're recording this at 1040 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time. On, and my uh, address April is... 25th. <laughs> and... Uh, we got on fairly quickly after the Oscars ended. Um, they yeah. went over time. They usually end like at their goal is to end at 10, but they always go over here. They mm-hmm. let everybody talk when they were introducing the categories. Everything was more personal about the nominees themselves instead of their work for the film. Everyone was talking about movies and like what they did and why they love movies. Why? What brought them to this moment? Everything was very personal as far as the nominees go. I kind of like that. I liked that every presenter kind of took it upon themselves to kind of get to know the nominees a little bit personally. I I did like that one that stuck out was Bong Joon-ho asking the directors what directing meant to them. And I love how Bong Joon-ho even said, I still can't answer that. How personal of a question that really is. And that made me think like, yeah, like what really is directing? And it was great to hear the quotes from the nominated directors. So I actually like that aspect. I think that was the only aspect of the ceremony that he liked, but I thought it was a nice addition. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I'm like, Woo! Okay. 
This is the Oscars after party, baby, cinema show style. Dude, <laughs> did you hear o- Oscars after dark? Yes. Stay tuned for Oscars after dark. Like, are we gonna get more trivia night? I and yeah, and then uh, Daniel Kaluuya being run, like nonchalant, like yeah, we're gonna get messed up tonight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, thank so, you for your honesty. Uh, yeah, I don't actually one hundred percent agree with that. I think that it really catered uh to a certain demographic i i felt like it was a little too on the nose and too obvious in a lot of places grabbing the quotes from the nominees uh well i i mean like the acceptance speeches and the people like you were saying like people giving everybody got a chance to talk and this and that did anybody see trent, yeah, they let, they, trent there was no music cutting anybody off yeah, but did you see Trent Reznor? Yeah, not that. But did you see Trent Reznor and the other... I, I don't know who the other white guy that was nominated. They stood <laughs> Atticus very, Ross. Yeah, Atticus, Atticus Ross. Ross. They yeah. stood like behind with their little hands crossed while, you know, the other guy... Uh, what was his name who wrote the music? Uh, Jean-Baptiste. 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 He gave a very long speech and they were like, hello, we're just happy to be here. We won't take any time. It was strong. It was palpable, like the shift in everything and how even Glenn Close was very like she was there. Oh, no, no, no. I love it. Of course, I've heard of all this. Yes, I'm hip. I'm with it. Look, I do a booty dance. You know, the whole thing about it just seemed very. You think that was staged? Yes, 100 percent. And if it wasn't, then I'm just absolutely heartbroken that, you know, Glenn Close, you know, just such a treasure. And she she's going to be a meme tomorrow. Yeah, I think maybe that's what they're going for. Oh, yeah. Uh, to go viral. Do you, uh, yeah, to go viral and things like that. But I guess, but I don't know. I don't know. It just all seems Oscar very... highlights on TikTok. Yeah, it just all seemed very forced to me. I, I can see that. It, it was a very unconventional Oscars ceremony, I, I would say. One to remember. Yeah, I, I would say so. I, I just, now I kind of wonder what the, not the backlash, but what the commentary is going to be. Yeah, what's what's going to be the general consensus? What's the general takeaway? Well, there there was also, yeah, and there was also, I respect the honesty, but there was also a blatant anti-traditional Oscar message going on, even in the interviews. I mean, when they were going around interviewing some of these nominees, it felt like an Oscars roast. You know, hey, listen to this song. Get, answer a question. Was it nominated or not? Well, it should have been. And, you know, why wasn't it? Oh, well, because of they had so many times that they had to bleep it. It was it was almost an anti Oscars, if you ask me. OK, now I see the similarities between the three songs that they played during that. OK, yeah. now I know what they're going for. Exactly. Wow. And okay. then they end it with making Glenn Close get up and dance for treats to the butt. It made a joke out of it. I, I don't I don't know. There was just something it was just so incredibly disrespectful and I, I don't know it, and tasteless to me. Like especially that part. And I'm just there like this is the Oscars and there's just so, a certain decorum the like the pageant the pageantry is kind of gone the 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 pomp the circumstance the elegance the old hollywood glamour and the thing about it is is that when you take it's not about you know yes you know inclusivity yes variation yes we you know we know that this world is changing but also respect and honor you know what it is and to to make a joke out of it or or to (sighs) <sighs> to trivialize it in any way 
uh, it kind of brings down the entire idea of the award itself to me. And maybe that's the intention. And I definitely got that from this whole thing. Well, let's see what happens next year. Maybe think this. Maybe this was all a fever dream, and next year they'll go back to the Dolby Theater, and everything will be you know, going you back have to normal. To think about it. The seventies was a weird time for the Oscars too. Lots of polyester and bell bottoms. We got through that, <laughs> so we can get through anything. Absolutely. I'm curious about what we all thought about the winners of these categories. But first, we did our ballots. And I think as of right now, Lori, do you know how many you got right? Because I know Jackson Ten. beat me. Okay, well then, Jackson, dang, this is your year, man. Mm-hmm. Jackson always wins. He really does. Got to give it to you, Thank man. You. Hey, congrats. Thank you. Congrats. Hey, I, tip of the hat. I was starting off great. I was like, I was getting each and every one of them. And then halfway through the show, it just downhill from, from there. It was just one after one. I got all of them wrong. Yeah, towards the end, I got uh, most of the one. Most of the ones I got wrong were towards the end. Yeah, and I guess we can start from the bottom up because Lori, I trusted you, Lori, on original song. Eonsi, you like you hyped it up, so I went with it. What's so funny is that I chose "Fight for You" for the Golden Globes because I, I only recognized her as the artist. I was like, oh, okay, I'll vote for her, I guess. And then she didn't win, so I was like. Oh, I guess Lori's uh, Lori knows what she's talking about. I'm gonna go for this IOC, and then fight for you wins the Oscar. Yeah, I. But you know what? IOC was a great song. I felt like it was the better song, and I'm gonna stand by that. But uh, when you come, the difference between the Golden Globes and the Oscars, the Golden Globes is a little bit more what's popular over there worldwide, whereas the Oscars really is about what's resonating more uh with what's going on here in america so it makes sense to me that you won. i think it was a brilliant song and her performance at the beginning mm-hmm. of the night she killed it that was the best performance of the night for me oh so they had all the performances at the beginning of the show yeah as pre-show yeah i missed like the first like 30 minutes or 45 minutes of the show oh, okay her killed it she was amazing okay so they just front-loaded all that, and then it, the rest of the night was okay. Yeah, if I would have seen that performance, though, because it is. And you, you have to, you know, you kind of hear it, and it's good, but then you see it, and you saw, like, the whole dynamic with the visuals that they had. Uh, it was definitely the best song of the night. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen these on stage, but again, the change of venue, they had a very small little, it was like a platform, pretty much. As like a little stage. ballroom. Yeah, and and even th- there was a uh, humanitarian award that Brian Cranston had uh, presented in the Dolby Theater, and it was so empty, and it was it was a little depressing to me. Like, oh, like this is where we should have been. Mm-hmm. But anyways, let's move on to original score. Interesting fact: the ballroom used to be called the Harvey Weinstein Room, but you know they had to change it. <laughs> so Soul won <laughs> original score. I was gonna say one thing, Trent Reznor. What happened? Like, I almost didn't recognize him at first. He looked so, like, stuffy and put together and like he was just like a producer or something. It it took me a second to realize that it was Trent Reznor because he didn't look like him, like, Nine Inch Nails Trent Reznor. The 90s was 30 years ago. Yes. But he looked... He looked so basic. Like, everybody has a little bit of their flair. I mean, yes, Aerosmith, you know, their height was 70, you know, in the 70s. But, 
you know, Steven Tyler, when he goes, he still wears his velvet jacket and he doesn't button his top button. There's still a signature style. Trent Reznor just changed. He's just generic now. It was just plain black, white. I mean, even Baptiste, you know, the guy who spoke, he had his little flower and he had a little flare. He had his little like, you know, jewelry. Everybody has a little flare and he was just. Yeah. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, they just went through like two movies <laughs> so i'm sure they're very That's tired true. right now they're very yeah exhausted. they're gonna take a, a well-deserved break double nominations for every award show yeah and a win at every award show hey they were too tired to speak <laughs> that's why they had batiste to speak for him because he had the most life out of all of them <laughs> like there's just something innate that doesn't cha- that doesn't change at the core of yourself is what i'm saying i don't think trent reznor now will look good in black leather pants <laughs> like he did in 1994 well neither does vince neal but he still does it hey just like i said about king kong 2005 nobody's asking if they should or not they're just going for it let's move on to production design <laughs> <laughs> hashtag bring old trent Reznor back <laughs> let's move on to production design here we had Mank winning. I, I I should have seen that one coming. I did pick the father. Uh, I think it was from our last talk about the Oscar nominees. And when yeah, I persuaded you into that without even having seen the movie. Yeah, and I saw the movie today, and I was like, man, I wonder what the production design is going to be like. And I feel like all the production design was just because of the camera work. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like the camera work contributed most to the production design. Yeah, maybe it was that little trans I was in with the father that I'm still on. I'm still like in love with that movie right now. It's so good. Yeah, and uh, we'll talk about it later, maybe with Anthony Hopkins. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so Mank won. No surprise there. Were any of you surprised by that one? I did get it wrong, by the way, on my pick. I got it right. I knew that one was going to win. I, I absolutely adored yeah, it. Same. I loved how they tried to make it its own film while still trying to make a lot of shots that were similar to Citizen Kane for all of the people who are ver- very familiar with Citizen Kane. And it mm-hmm. created that connection. You know, it, it was it wasn't only playing on what we were saying, but it was also playing on our subconscious, which I always love. I love it when movies get into my psyche. Start playing head games. I like my movies like I like my men playing head games with me. <laughs> you're on the board Lori, and you're leading let me, let me tell you that i was going to mention i wonder how pissed orson wells is in hell right now <laughs> he's, he's rolling in his grave <laughs> tell me i'm wrong i imagine him up there with like a huge greasy turkey leg backhanding rita hayworth saying shut <laughs> up woman i'm watching the oscars Let's move on to makeup and hairstyling. And we might as well throw in costume design in there because both won by Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I'm kind of I'm kind of surprised by it because I thought it was a smaller production. I thought they would have gone with a Mulan or a Mank because of how big the production was. I felt like they had 10 people on set <laughs> for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It's a play. A play adaptation. That's what you get. The makeup was great. All of Viola Davis's prosthetics. I mean, that and her fat suit in and of itself, that earned the nomination, if not the award. Yeah, I think Viola Davis was the standout from those two categories out of the entire movie surrounding it. So I'm not mad about it. I did get them both wrong. I went with Emma for makeup and hairstyling and for Mulan for costume design. 
I went with Mulan for costume, and then I went with Mank for uh, makeup and hair. But yeah, I'm not mad at Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, though. I thought it was excellent. And do you know that my gut was originally to go with them even since the Golden Globes? But even at the Golden Globes, they didn't they didn't take it at the Golden Globes. So I was like, oh, you see, even though I really like them, they're probably not going to win. And then so this time around, uh, I didn't go with them again and to my detriment. But I, I they were a favorite for me from the beginning. Staying along with the production of the movie for film editing, Sound of Metal 1. I did pick it for sound. I don't think anything special was done in the film editing, but I am happy it won. Same. Yeah. I had picked Nomadland. I had picked uh, Trial of Chicago 7 because uh, it had the most editing, and that's what they awarded Bohemian Rhapsody yeah. for. So I'm like, oh, okay, they're just going to do that again. Same. I picked Trial of Chicago 7. Well, congrats to Sound of Metal. Uh, that still is my favorite movie of the year, of 2020. It's fantastic. I don't blame you. So good. Let's talk. Oh, visual effects. I picked Tenet. I mean, I has anyone seen Tenet yet? Am I the only one? I think so. I'm waiting until it uh, comes out on HBO Max. It comes out next weekend. Oh, great. Or this weekend, technically. Yeah, I can't wait for you to watch it. It's it's fun. Let's move on to the... Oh, sound. We had sound, and I got this one right. Sound of Metal. I mean, it's, it's in the name, and... I, I, exactly. I mentioned this before, how integral sound plays a factor into this movie. And it's just great, the, the way they handled all of it. Uh, cinematography, we got Mank. I thought that was a surprise. I thought it was locked in for Nomadland. Me too. I picked Mank. Whoa. It, it was always a dark horse being black and white. Well, that's why I picked it. I picked it because I love the nuances and the similarities and how closely they uh, were trying to... Uh, they were taking that direct influence from Citizen Kane, and that's why I picked it. And original screenplay, Promising Young Woman, Emerald Fennel. Mm-hmm. They said she was like how many months pregnant during the shoot? Seven. Jeez Louise. Wow. <laughs> and she had the baby like a couple days after they had wrapped it all up. Wow, kudos to her. her That's amazing. Yeah, Emerald Fennel and Chloe Zhao, like, they worked for their films. And I'm very proud of both of them. Me too. Adapted screenplay. I'm very happy about this one. The Father One. Mm. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't uh, expect that. I thought Nomadland would have taken it. I heard that was the favorite, so I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah, I was pulling for the father, and it was great to hear Florian Zeller saying that he wrote this for Anthony Hopkins. Like, he had him in mind. That's what he said during his uh, acceptance speech. That was very touching to hear. And then getting to work with Anthony Hopkins, that's uh, that's great. And let's move on to, well, the movies themselves. Let's start from the bottom here. Uh, Documentary short subject. This one, I don't know how I got this one right it was a shot in the dark i just picked the first one if i'm being honest and the winner was colette did anyone see any documentaries this year any uh, short nope. documentaries <laughs> no uh, but i did see one documentary and that was crip camp which was nominated here for documentary documentary feature but it went to my octopus teacher i went with it because of the name <laughs> I have a problem. I, I I have a problem with this one. <laughs> yeah? Did you see my octopus teacher? No. The Crip Camp was such a 
touching, moving movie, a documentary about the disabled and very heartwarming. And I think it's an important movie to watch. And it goes along with the civil rights movement. Uh, if anything, the civil rights movement inspired what that camp pushed to do. The reason why we have so many accessibilities to attend to our disabled community is thanks to them. And for it to lose to an octopus, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just it just felt really um, demeaning to that community. I thought. You know, we were joking around because me and my son saw Crip Camp, right? And it was just such a wonderful documentary that we knew it was going to win. And neither one of us saw my octopus teach. But let me tell you something. Like, I don't care how much that octopus taught him. (laughs) There's no way it could have been more important than Crip Camp. And I was just like, I just imagine like how it could have started. Like, I went there to teach an octopus, but he taught me. Now I know why I hate my father. I mean, kudos to my octopus teacher. Yeah, congrats to the animal. (laughs) Does the octopus get a little Oscar too? Are they going to name him Oscar now? <laughs> there was a there was a very controversial octopus scene that they uh, kind of said was very similar to the scene from Last Tango in Paris. So I don't know exactly what happened there, but uh, the actor was uh, had to get therapy afterwards because of what the octopus did to him. It was a whole thing. Now I really want to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a great time. No wonder it won. There wasn't butter involved with this one, but there was. Uh, he used jelly a uh, jellyfish. Lori again, <laughs> leading the score. <laughs> She's like, I'm just getting started. Uh, let's move on to animated short film here. And I remember finding, remember when we talked about the nominees and me and Lori kind of uh, were on the same page about how the title, If Anything Happens, I Love You, was such a great title. Yes. And then I saw it pop up. It's on Netflix. And a lot of these. Have you all seen it? Okay. I have. Have you? Yes. I just saw it today. Lori, have you? I haven't. So I remember messaging our group chat saying, oh, hey, you know, this short film is on Netflix. And I messaged that and I sent it and then I watched it. (laughs) And I kind of wanted to like go back and say, never mind, it's not on Netflix because it's not that it's bad. It's just he doesn't love them so much. No, they do. They love uh, They love them very much. Do you mind if we spoil it for you, Lori? No, I want to know. I need to know. I have to know. Really? Okay, spoilers for those who haven't watched it and do plan on watching it. It's a very heavy short film, uh, animated short film. So it's about, uh, okay, it's about uh, parents who have lost a child. Um, and then uh, it kind of goes through the motions about uh, the grieving process. You know, the, the mother goes into the room of, that child that was once living there. And then it takes a turn where you find out why the child's not there anymore. And it's because of a school shooting. So it, it wasn't what I expected at all. Uh, even from the beginning, I was like, oh, okay, it's going to be this type of movie. It's going to be real moving about grief. And then it kind of takes that turn when gun violence in schools are brought up. And it was very well done. Yes, yes, very well done. It, it was just very, very, um, it was a little too heavy for me. It's not a criticism. It's just me personally, how I feel about all that. Hey, it, it's 
it's that's the reality of it yeah yeah you know? and that's what they're going for and I, and I totally get it and that's why i had to lock it in with that wow yeah there was no way burrow was gonna win after seeing that <laughs> yeah just thinking about the little bunny digging some holes like oh <laughs> yeah no <laughs> let's move on to ooh, this one i'm very curious what jackson has to say about this one so let's move ooh, on to the boy to the category of live action short film this one, I didn't watch any of them. I usually do. Uh, these past couple of weeks have just been crazy for me personally. But I didn't get to watch this. But Two Distant Strangers won. And Jackson, since you've watched these short films, what are your thoughts on it? Because on the group chat, you said, don't watch this movie. This movie is terrible. Oh, I will tell you why. The movie is about this young black man in New York. And he's caught in a Groundhog Day situation where uh, he has to repeat every day. But the circumstances of it are that every time he gets killed by the police, he gets resurrected and has to start the day again. So it confronts BLM and everything and they have conversations. The guy talks to the cop that's killing him each day. Cop doesn't even know it. Only, Only the it's like a real Groundhog Day real Groundhog Day situation, like Bill Murray. Only Bill Murray knows, only the young black man knows that he's stuck in this situation. So he talks to the cop. He's like, hey, I'm going to blow your mind. Look, I'm, let me talk to you. Maybe we can maybe we can stop this. And they have a conversation. And it ends with him being killed again and just being caught in the loop. But, and, and it's trying to have a conversation, but everything that it says, everything that it says is just kind of like, yeah, we know that what else but they just say all the things that have already been said and we have to watch a black man get murdered time after time after time after time throughout the course of the movie and i don't want to see that so like it's like they didn't even think about that part which if you're making the movie about that you think you would have thought about that and i just don't think it was thought through enough it looks nice the camera quality is great i don't the acting was bad yeah it don't watch it don't waste your time i didn't think any of them were particularly good i didn't think any of the shorts that i saw today i saw the animated and i saw the live action shorts Mm -hmm. i didn't think any of them were particularly like outstanding but i appreciate that it's trying to start a conversation but when you kill a black man on screen and make your audience watch that over and over and over and over again, while trying to be deep about Black Lives Matter and this national movement, while not really contributing anything more to the conversation, it's not a good look at all. Well, I'm going to tell you that I think that's exactly what the intention of the movie was, was to make people feel uncomfortable and I guarantee you that, I mean, they're sitting there saying, oh, yeah, y'all don't like seeing it over and over again. Well, we don't like living it over and over again. You're going to hear true. that over and over again. This was something that was intended to make you feel uncomfortable. I haven't seen it myself, but the exact response like that you're giving me and like what they were trying to do, I think I think it was trying to do the same thing that the entire Oscars this year was trying to do. And I think that they were trying to to make something so aware that it made you feel uncomfortable. And they're like, good, feel uncomfortable because we're uncomfortable. Yeah. It's not that it made me feel uncomfortable. It's like, yeah, I said, I don't want to watch that. But like, 
the overall quality of the project itself, I didn't think it was that good. I I don't know. It's I don't think it's what now you now you're making me think about it. <laughs> and I that's what they wanted you to you they wanted you to think about it. That was the intention of the filmmaker and the production team. They wanted they wanted to elicit that. They wanted this, you know, to be something that was out there like that. But I have to see it. I haven't seen it, so I have to see it. But like I said, all this stuff like surrounding the conversation, just like stuff we've already heard before, stuff everybody's been saying throughout the past year. It just seems like it's already been said. They're just retreading water at this point. Well, I think the conversation has been treading water for decades, if not more than a century. And I think that's maybe that was the point. You know, now that you're giving me the premise about Groundhog Day, and we, I just recently saw Palm Springs and how it's about, and no knock on any of these actors, but it's a leading white male in a comedy, and it's goofy, and there's some drama in there too, but for the most part, it's a good time that we love to celebrate these movies, especially Groundhog Day. Uh, maybe this was trying to give a perspective of, hey, it's not a good time over here on this side, and we're going to take your premise and make it our own to show you how it's like for us. Um, but again, it's a, it's a demographic community, whatever you want to call it that I'm not a part of. So I'm not going to put my two cents on it, especially not having seen the movie, but just the premise itself. That's what I'm getting from it. Yeah. Kudos to two distant strangers. Exactly. All right. Let's move on to animated feature soul. I mean, soul, soul, soul. Yeah. (laughs) Um, best international feature film was another, another round. round what that was a that's a handsome man that director he, he's a handsome fella and kudos to him and Matt mickelson the movie's on hulu actually and i was it was going to be the movie i watched right before the oscars but i got caught up but i i am still going to watch that movie can't wait and i love he kind of not gave it away but he said it's about uh, alcoholic teachers teaching kids how to drink and i'm like god dang it okay I'm, oh, I didn't know that. I'm more even sold about the movie. Oh, you didn't, you didn't, <laughs> you didn't hear the speech? No. Oh, my bad. We have the last couple of. Oh, we're down to our last two. We have Woo-hoo! direct. We have directing, and it was Chloe Zhao. And again, this is the second time a woman has won the Oscar for directing. I think it was The Hurt Locker, James Cameron's mm-hmm. ex wife Catherine Bigelow there you go yeah Catherine, Catherine Bigelow. Bigelow and yes. she I'm, I'm sure she loves it when people call her uh you know James Cameron's ex-wife <laughs> yeah. it was escaping my so mind. thank I'm you sorry. for that Dylan. I just remember that night being like a big f you to James Cameron I, I was rooting for her uh ladies and gentlemen I am not a misogynist I want to publicly apologize to Catherine Bigelow <laughs> and let's move on to best picture this one Okay, this is why I really think they should have just left it at the end because no matter who wins for Best Picture, it's always going to be a surprise to somebody. I mean, you have eight nominees. Oh, we haven't even gotten to the actors. Now we're doing it out of order, just like the Oscars did. <laughs> why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> but congrats to Nomadland. I, I really liked it. I didn't love it. Same. So... Actress in a supporting role. We have. I was so happy with this one. I literally jumped up from the couch and was cheering. Yu Jung Yang. She won. I loved her. And if there was any moment to kiss Brad Pitt, she didn't take it. 
That was the only I disappointing know. thing about her speech. You would have loved it. <laughs> yeah. Would have been in character. But congrats to her. Th- that's crazy. I is Has that ever been done before? An Asian? Kissing Brad Pitt? <laughs> At least once. Congrats no. to Brad Pitt. No, never on the mouth. <laughs> mm, that's why they got divorced. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on to actor and supporting role. Daniel Kaluuya. Yes. Deservedly yes. so. I, that was my pick. You know what? Roll last minute. I was, you know, I was picking my, I was making my picks, and Paul Racy. I've been rooting for him ever since I saw Sound of Metal. But I was looking at the category one last time before I made my pick, and I just had to go with Daniel Kaluuya. I'm still kind of upset that he wasn't nominated for leading actor. I thought his performance showed that it deserved that spot. But nonetheless, he's an Oscar winner, and congrats to him. Well-deserved. I think the biggest shock to me was Frances McDormand winning leading actress. Yeah, I didn't think that was going to happen. I loved her performance. I just didn't think they would give it to her again, especially after the last time she won an Oscar. And I think she was, like, drunk at the Oscars last time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love her. Frances McDormand never changed. I just thought the Academy would not have given her the Oscar again after her speech last time. (laughs) Yes, that's true. But you know what? You can't deny her talent as an actress. And I I saw her in Nomadland and Three Billboards and Fargo and almost everything that this woman has done. And she's just brilliant. And she's undeniable. She's like the Mer- she's like the new Meryl. Coming up on Katherine Hepburn's record. She's the best. And again, I, I I wonder if this is gonna be a controversial thing, like, you know, Green Book or La La Land, but actor in a leading role, Anthony Hopkins. Again, surprised that Chadwick Boseman didn't get it, especially knowing that he will never get an Oscar now. And mm-hmm. the fact that Anthony Hopkins is a seasoned veteran of an actor that has a plethora <laughs> of accolades and awards. But again, I'm happy for him. Very well deserved. Again, I think it was the best performance he's ever given. Could not have said it better myself. And it's so surprising, too. I mean, uh, we talked about it before, but y- you would think, you know, him in his latter years, not that he would have just thrown a towel in and just kind of phone things in. No, that was Transformers uh, the last night. <laughs> That's right. That's but, what that was for. <laughs> but I, I just didn't expect that type of performance from him. He really, especially after it. the two popes for the two popes. I was kind of like, okay, yeah, Anthony Hopkins is done. He's just kind of doing his own thing. Now I thought he was fine in the two popes. I didn't have a problem with his performance. I was just like, oh, okay. He's just being Anthony Hopkins. But this one, oh my God, he shut me right up. I loved him in The Two Popes. <laughs> I loved him in The Two Popes. I thought it, performance was just so incredibly nuanced. That's what you're getting with Anthony Hopkins. You're getting nuanced. No. Yeah. No one can do those subtleties like him. Yeah. You just watched The Father, Jackson. Yes, I did. <laughs> I saw it. Talk talk about range. Anthony Hopkins, don't don't sleep on him. He He's like fine wine. He just ages gracefully. He's like a Chianti. With a side of fava beans. (laughs) Well, that pretty much concludes all the categories. All right, Lori. Well, we're going to say au revoir to you. Where can we find you, lovely Lori? 
You can find me on Twitter, Lori underscore Guajardo. Lovely Lori. And, you know, always at the movies. <laughs> we love you, Lori. And we'll see you next time. All love right, you, Lori. Bye, guys. So, yeah, let's talk about the Disney-Sony deal. This comes... Let's. This is pretty much like breaking news straight off from the Sony-Netflix deal that just happened not too long ago. Very close. This is really weird to me. So Disney struck a deal with Sony, meaning their movies will exclusively be streaming on their streaming services and network television networks, uh, ABC, Hulu, I think Freeform, mm-hmm. what have you. But this is going to be starting in 2023 after Netflix's deal is done. No, it runs simultaneously. Oh, okay. Actually, yes, because starting this June, you're going to start seeing some Sony films on Hulu as of this year. And mm-hmm. and as for like the new Spider-Man movies, the installments, the spinoffs like Venom, uh, they will be going to theaters. And I think this is starting in 2023. So they'll be going to theaters and then home video like Blu-ray, also uh, video on demand. And then after that, they will be going straight to Netflix for an exclusive 18 months. Then they'll be going straight to Disney Plus And like I said, Hulu, their television networks like ABC, Freeform, in syndication, I'm assuming. But yeah, wow, Sony just made bank. I mean, I can only mm-hmm. imagine how much money they made off of Netflix and Disney in the span of a week. I think it was like three billion, something like that. I'm pretty sure that's what it was because I know Netflix dropped one billion, and for Disney to come in and just—I don't know. I mean, I'm sure Sony's just swimming in money right now. They're more than mm-hmm. happy, but dang, Disney just came in hot. They're winning. They didn't wait, and we we're just talking about it. How Netflix kind of just gave, and Sony kind of give it a giving a middle finger to Disney. Disney's like, okay, you want to play that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can play too. Yeah, well, I guess we kind of spoke too soon. Yeah, we did. Hey, Disney, they know what they're doing. And difference between Disney and Netflix, Disney has, like I said, they have multiple platforms. They have ESPN, Hulu, Disney+, and they have television networks still going on today, like ABC, like Disney Channel, Freeform. Uh, all those. And then, of course, they just bought Fox and all that ip man they're making big bucks right now so this has to be a blow to netflix <laughs> i mean it's gotta be they they just have to enjoy the next year or so <laughs> i mean netflix got what they got in the deal and then disney was like okay well we're gonna get everything after after netflix gets whatever they want we're gonna get it and that's ours now so netflix can't get it again or sign another term until if they do sign another deal with sony not to say that Sony won't stay with Disney or Sony won't go with another bidder at another time, but the earliest Netflix can get the Sony titles back is after 2026. Wow. So they're getting them for, they're getting movies for 18 months and they can't get them for another five years. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen between now and five years. So <laughs> the streaming wars are just starting. Exactly. You thought we were already in the middle of it. No, everyone's on even playing field. Now everyone's got a streaming service. Now, now the wars have begun. The streaming wars have finally begun. Dang. Sony's kind of like the instigator here though. 
I mean, mm-hmm. Netflix, I mean, Sony could have just been like, okay, we found a home, Netflix, we're good, we're grand. Here comes Disney knocking on the door saying how much that they offer. Okay, take the deal, and then we'll double that. Like, don't worry. We're not mad that you, that you went to Netflix. Don't worry about it. But just know that we got you covered at the end of that deal. Dang, it's getting dirty. And we can pay more than Netflix. I'm pretty sure with Netflix, they were pushing a budget. Yeah. And with Disney, they're like, oh, we're just going to double that. Yeah. Here like, you go. Disney is more than capable of making these types of moves. Whereas mm-hmm. Netflix is, again, desperation is kind of in the air when we're talking about Netflix. Netflix doesn't have a theme park. Doesn't have theme parks all over the world that they can take cash from as well as their movies. Didn't even mention the Netflix theme parks. Netflix only yeah. has a streaming service. Yeah, that's all they got. And the merchandise, Disney has so much on everybody else. Disney will outlive all of us. Just a lonely island Netflix is. So, yeah, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm not excited. I'm more curious to see how this all plays out, especially with theaters coming back. Mhm. Yeah. I wonder if the culture is going to change now now that we've been through a pandemic and kind of seen like during the pandemic, how much these streaming services just took over, you know, in the span of over a year during the pandemic, we've gotten the debut of Paramount Plus, Peacock, HBO Max. Yeah, like it's just crazy. And I I wonder how our culture and here Plus had just gotten started, too. Yeah. Yeah. With the Mandalorian coming out. That was their flagship show. And I think that was what barely December? at the tail end of October. It ended in December. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Dang. Wow. And this was post. Well, like during the pandemic, right? Pre-pandemic. Oh, okay. It was leading into the pandemic. Mm-hmm. That's right. Wow. So yeah, I wonder how people are just going to kind of realize like, why am I paying all these streaming services when I can just start watching network television for free again? And go to the movies again. Yeah. It's the exclusive content. That's what... They have to create quality exclusive content in order for people to stay on the streaming services. Because you can watch Toy Story 4 on, like, TNT probably one of these days, you know? Yeah. You see... Endgame was just on AMC or TNT just Mm. earlier this evening. So, you know, you can always catch these movies on TV, but... But yeah, it's the exclusive content that's keeping people on these streaming services. It's mm-hmm. going to be those Mandalorians, the whatever HBO Max is pumping out, which, uh, yeah. Speaking of Marvel, you want to talk about some trailers real quick before we get into the review? Yeah. Yeah. So Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Now, it's going to be the MCU's first leading Asian in a movie. So kudos to them. Progression. We love it. I I like the trailer. I'm really excited about this. I, I'm going to be honest. I wasn't excited. I was kind of just lukewarm about Shang-Chi. I was like, oh, okay. Let's see how it turns out. And the, the trailer got me excited. What got me excited about Shang-Chi is that it doesn't look like a Marvel movie. Yeah. And that excites me. That excites me because uh, we're going to... That means show, they're showing us that we're going to get something fresh with this one. And I can't wait to see... What they have in store for us with Shang-Chi. I can't wait. Yeah, me either. Labor Day weekend, get here already, man. I will say, I like the trailer. 
I just didn't like the stinger at the end with uh, like a one-liner goof joke from Aquafina. I think she's going to be a bit part. I hope she's a bit part. I, I'm getting like a Darcy from Thor the Dark World vibes. Which, which both of them to put that in the trailer after uh, uh, Raya came out. I don't know. Maybe people enjoyed Aquafina in the movie. I personally didn't. Neither did I. But in Marvel fashion, you, you kind of have to throw in some jokes in there. So I get it. Maybe it was for those that weren't really into the action, but they said, huh, hey, well, I kind of left at Aquafina at the end. So why not? Especially for those who watch Crazy Rich Asians. She mm-hmm. was probably the best part of that movie, among other things. But she was really yes. strong in that movie. I loved her in that one. Yeah, she's great. And loved her in The Farewell. Yes. Uh, I just thought, eh. Uh, during Ryan the Last Dragon, but hey, we shall see. I'm I'm excited. It didn't really turn me away from the movie itself, and I'm a devoted MCU fan, so I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna be in that theater. Speaking of a a leading Asian man in a role, yes. <laughs> Speaking of that, let's talk about Mortal Kombat. Video game movies have been on the rise. They've been getting better. Yeah. They've been notoriously awful uh, through the years, and Detective Pikachu was pretty all right. Rampage was okay. And uh, Sonic the Hedgehog was all right. So going into Mortal Kombat, I was just like, you know what? Let's see what happens. MMA fighter Cole Young is unaware of his heritage or why Outworld's Emperor Shang Tsung has sent his best warrior, Sub-Zero, to hunt him down. Fearing for his family's safety, Cole goes in search of Sonya Blade at the direction of Jax, a special forces major who bears the same strange dragon marking Cole was born with. Soon, he finds himself at the Temple of Lord Raiden, an elder god and the protector of Earthrealm. Here, Cole trains with experienced warriors and prepares to stand with Earth's greatest champions against the enemies of Outworld, I'm not done yet, in a high-stakes battle for the universe. We're almost there. (laughs) But (laughs) will Cole be pushed hard enough to unlock the Arcana, the immense power from within his soul, in time to save not only his family, but to stop Outworld once and for all? This is written by Dave Cullaham, and if nobody recognizes that name, you should because <laughs> he has written Doom that came out in 2005, so he's very familiar with video game movies. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm not done. So, yes, Doom starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson and a staple writer in the Expendables franchise. Oh, he was also uh, one of the writers of Wonder Woman 1984. There (laughs) There it is. is. But guess what? He's also going to be in future projects. He is. He is one of the writers of Into the Spider-Verse 2. And Shang-Chi. Yeah. So, but uh, let's hold on. And another writer here. Mortal Kombat is Greg Russo, and this is actually his first feature film as a writer. I can tell. Not only do we have a first-time writer, but we have a first-time director, Simon I can tell. McQuoad. Given the track record of our seasoned screenwrite 
and a first-time writer and director, this movie definitely shows that. I mean, the the synopsis you read, uh, that definitely happens in the movie. That's what happens. Yeah. So, really quick, brief history of my personal experience with Mortal Kombat, the franchise. I'm a casual fan. I can name maybe 10 characters from the video games. 15 if you show me pictures and I have to match the names. So... I know these characters. I grew up with them. I have a very nostalgic attachment to the 1995 Mortal Kombat movie directed by (laughs) Paul Wes Anderson. And it's funny because I thought the new Mortal Kombat movie that came out this year was a Paul W.S. Anderson film. It, It seems like it. And I don't know if that was because the original had him and they wanted to pay homage but why would they want to pay homage (laughs) well that's what the end product seemed that dude what how i take it is like they how quickly did they make this movie i wonder how many movies we're gonna give an excuse like oh well maybe the post the production was during the pandemic no i mm -mm. that's it's not an excuse with all the stuff that's come out from the pandemic this isn't an excuse look i was looking forward to this movie as was i if i can say any positives before we kind of get into it i will say two things one it looks great the production value i believe is there when it comes to the costumes when it comes to sets it doesn't look bad no and i will say that we have a good cast here Whether or not we could debate about the performances, we'll get into it. But I will say, everyone here looks good. I think they had something really good here. They had potential. And it's just the shame that the direction and the writing didn't reflect that. And I think the writing here, if there was one component that this movie needed, was a very solid script. And it's funny because we're just barely coming off of Godzilla vs. Kong, which we can argue maybe the the plot and the writing wasn't very strong. No. But at least the effects and the fights were entertaining enough, you know? Oh, for sure, yeah. So you would think the same thing would work here, but... No. The, uh, the It's his first feature film, and he d- it shows that he does not know how to... Uh, shoot an action sequence. I did not know what was going on mm. at certain points. Yeah, and why we were there. What w- like the uh, this movie is heavily flawed. Um, not only in the writing and directing, but also in the editing. Did mm. you notice that there was a quick shot where like it was a uh, shot of I can't remember who, and then it cuts to Kano for like half a second, and then it cuts back to the other person. It was just a quick flash of Kano. It's like, how did that get left in? And the more I watched, the more I realized that this is just flat out terrible. The first seven minutes, the ones that they had already put out, like, hey, watch the first seven minutes, guys. This movie's going to be good. Which was very smart because that was probably the best thing of that entire movie. The opening scene to this movie was perfect. And... I think it kind of just goes downhill from there. It's a steep drop in quality. 
it's it's catastrophically bad yeah and even tonally i wish this movie kind of committed to one or the other i mean you could ride the fine line of being dark gritty with the action but also be colorful and goofy when it comes to the premise the characters because it is goofy you know you have ninjas you have wizards you have you have a lizard person and it works sometimes i feel like there's times where some action scenes were creative and not to give anything away but uh there's an action scene early on with a reptile and i thought it was cool i enjoyed that part yeah it has its moments and look it's mortal kombat it's rated R. We know what we're going to get. We're going to get some gore, some blood, like the video games. And mm-hmm. there are times, there are a good amount of times that we get that. It's a, it's rated R. It's a rated R Mortal Kombat movie. They got that aspect right. Yeah. Yeah, they did. And I think that's a given nowadays. You know, it's, you know, when we say, oh, the effects were astounding. It's like, well, that's expected now. Exactly. Everything should look good. If it doesn't look good, what went wrong? Yeah. And I again, I think it's the writing. And I think even... I don't know if I could blame the director. I'll come off of it. I'll say that it looks great. The cast is great. For fans that love this video game franchise, they want to see blood and gore and fatalities and interesting ways that people die in this movie. You're going to be... I think satisfied. My only problem that I think the fans will have is it doesn't live up to the title of the movie. That's all I'll say. And we'll get into it once we pass the spoiler mark. I have kind of the opposite. I don't think the fans are going to appreciate this at all because, yeah, the fights are there. Yeah, it looks good. But like you said, every movie looks good now. You would hope that the fights look good. You would hope they at least get that right. You know, Godzilla vs. Kong got that right in the titular fight mm-hmm. fights. Um, so you would only hope that they would get the Mortal Kombat aspect right. And, I mean, yeah, it's it's bloody. It's gory. There's that. But beyond that, there's there's nothing else. This movie's a complete pile of horseshit. And uh, I feel... In- if I paid money to see this in a theater, I would have feel... Very insulted <laughs> that I paid money in, to watch this in a theater, and I'm very glad I did not. I'm glad I just, it was on HBO Max. This is a 4 out of 10. It's a big fat F. I don't recommend it. Don't waste your time. Watch Godzilla vs. Kong again if you really want to watch something on HBO Max. Yeah, so our rating scale here is we go by ticket price, 10 being the highest you can pay for a ticket to watch this movie in a theater. And we go by the quarter here. And like you, Jackson, I would go with a flat four. I would pay $4 to watch this movie, if not at all. (laughs) I would probably have, if I knew the movie I was watching was going to be the way it was, I would have stayed home and watched it on HBO Max. So that's our review of it. And if you want to hear spoilers, stay tuned. If not, Now's your chance, because we are talking spoilers. You've been warned. So for a movie called Mortal Kombat, the (laughs) tournament of champions of realms, Mm -hmm. why don't we ever enter the tournament? Jackson, I have a a question. Did you watch the original 1995 movie? I did not get a chance to. It It did not fit in my weekend plans. Okay, if you ever do. uh, Let me know what you think, because... That movie, and maybe it's a nostalgic attachment that I have to it, but 
watching this movie, I didn't think I would have to make the comparison between the two movies. I even told you, like, oh, you don't have to watch them. Like, don't don't bother. But mm-hmm. coming off of this one, I was like, I want to watch the original because you actually get to witness the entire tournament. And it's great. They go to an island and they fight for their life. And I thought that's what we were getting with this movie. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. It was in the previews. You see, like, one of the guys, like, I thought there would be a tournament set up. That's what it looked like in the trailers. But this movie plays off as a prequel to that tournament because... Yeah. Okay, so it's funny that I'm glad I watched the original right after watching this new one because the first, I want to say, 30 minutes of this movie, uh, of the 1995 movie, is the entire premise of the 2021 movie. That's what it feels like. It's crazy. And you know what? The guy who plays uh, Sub-Zero said that he signed on for four movies, which we're going to get four more movies of this. I don't want that. I'm not going to watch it. I'm upset that I already watched this once. I want my time back. (laughs) I would like to actually watch it because I feel like, again, we have a great, great cast here. I think the standout to me was the actor who played Kano, and his name is Josh Lawson. I could not stand Kano. He was such an asshole. And I know that was the point. I love him. Okay, I I think you would have enjoyed him a lot more if the supporting actors around him had actual personality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was the only actor who actually, like, tried. Which, by the way, we have a new character here named Cole Young. And this guy is as generic as you get. It may be Miss Johnny Cage... Uh, Not just the character Mm -hmm. in the video games, but again, going back to the 1995 movie, he is our avatar in this movie. He is the one to ask the question saying, how does this make any sense? And you need that in every movie like this. When you enter a different world, you need a character that they have to explain everything to, which Mm -hmm. I'm okay with them introducing new characters. I'm not that big of a fan and have attachment to any other characters to the point where I'll get mad. If there's some something new, but at least make it interesting. At least make it entertaining. Yeah. Cole Young just, he's not memorable at all. He's stale bread. He loves his family, so we're told. We don't ever see him love his family. Yeah. We get like three scenes with his family, and even then, like, his family's always in the background. Which, I didn't know that was his daughter. I thought that was his sister. You know what's so funny? Everyone... Okay, I watched this movie twice in theaters. And let me tell you, again, it comes down to the writing. The the most simple things. Both times I watched it in the theater, I got the same reaction when his supposed wife kisses him. Everyone in the audience got a, oh, like, oh, they're, yeah, like, I, I'm not kidding you. <laughs> the first time I did that, and I was like, I wonder if, like, I'll, they'll get the same reaction the second time. And sure enough. Everyone had that, oh, yeah, like they were all related, but it turns out, I don't know, it was just so weird. Maybe because there isn't like, Cole Young's look so young, and the daughters, they look like they're around the same age. Yeah, <laughs> they look like siblings. I don't know. Like, they, they could be close enough in age to be siblings, is what I thought their dynamic was, because she was kind of like the sassy younger sister, is what the vibe I was getting. And it's like simple script stuff, where you just want to put some thing in there early on when you show your character 
that you want to mention the roles that they play or, yeah, or show like, it, you know, show. Her first line could have been like, great fight, dad, or dad, come on, what was that? You know, she didn't say dad until like, we're already at the farm scene with Ermac, I think is what who that was. Mm. The forearms. No, uh, Go- forearms? Goro. Goro, yeah. that's right. She says dad for the first time when we're at that point, which is so <laughs> late into the movie. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, that's her dad? <laughs> I I thought him and the and the wife were, were dating. I thought they were boyfriend girlfriend. And this is just his younger sister. Oh, okay. Who is just there hanging around. See, I thought they were all siblings. And then when they kissed, I was like, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Going back to Kano, I loved him. Up until like halfway through the movie where I was like, oh, this guy's clearly going to be the best part of this movie. But then the movie reminds me, oh, we're just going to you love him. We're just going to keep shoving him more down your throat with his one liners and his cussing. This guy's so funny, right? You guy, this guy's great, isn't he? Such a great character. He's so funny and vulgar. And he's uh, he has an accent. He's foreign. This guy's cool. Kano, he's got a laser eye. He's got three scratches. He's got a scar. It looks cool. He's Kano. Okay, uh, thank you for bringing that up. So I have. <laughs> so okay, this is the type of movie that it is. So like Godzilla vs Kong, I kind of turned off my brain a little bit to just enjoy the movie for what it was, and I did the same thing here for Mortal Kombat. The only difference is this time around when I turn my brain back on. I got a headache thinking about this movie. <laughs> and here's why. So the arcana is what they call it. It's mm-hmm. the immense power from within your soul. So when you get your arcana, you get powers. You know, it could be different. Sub-Zero, he has ice. Liu Kang, which Liu Kang, by the way, is pretty cool. And also mm-hmm. uh, Kung Lao. I thought they were freaking yes. awesome. Um, again, the cast is great. They look great. They sound like everything. It's just all oh, the writing. I think Kano literally was the best part of that movie when it comes to the cast and their yeah. performance. I think the rest of the cast could have been a lot better, again, if given a great script. Anyways, so you, you get your powers and how you get it is when you reach your full potential. Kano gets really mad. That's his thing. And he shoots... Uh, a laser out of his eye. Cool. I could get behind that. What I couldn't get behind was a character whose arms gets frozen, frostbite, yeah! and broken <laughs> off and left for dead. And he comes back. Which, by the way, when it comes to the editing, I don't know if you noticed this part, but when he finally awakes with his arms, there's an edit where it's it's pulled back and you see Sonya and Jax. And right before it cuts to a close-up of Sonya and Jack's awaking, they show that same exact scene, but from it pulled back. So you literally see for a split second at the end, Jack's wake up. You see him open his eyes and kind of do a flinch. And then it cuts again to the close-up, and it's the exact same thing. You see Jack's flinch and wake up. And it was so weird to me. I was like, oh, like, that's, like, you could have just cut a split second of that frame off just a little bit. So yeah. so things like that. Yeah, I I know what you're talking about when it comes to the there editing. There's no attention to detail in this. They it's why they make me it's why I said that they again, they shit this movie out. 
They didn't care. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Jax gets his arcana, and which w- why would that affect his metal arms, which weren't even a part of him to begin with? Yeah. So why is that his unlocked arcana? See, so the arcana is that he magically gets upgraded arms out of nowhere. Like I get it. It's a Mortal Kombat movie. I'm not supposed to think about it too much, but but even we're even giving like the slightest scrutiny. Like it's like yeah, it's a Mortal Kombat movie. Turn off your brain. But like we're giving it the slightest bit of scrutiny here. Yeah, we're being de- we're being nice right now. Oh yeah, yeah. We could definitely nitpick a lot. We can rip and tear into this movie, but I don't want to waste my energy doing that. I just want, kind of want to forget this movie ever happened. But if we do nitpick, I do want to point out something. Uh, the best part of the movie was clearly the beginning, and they save mm-hmm. it for the very end. Scorpion and Sub-Zero have a rematch. <laughs> my only critic, my nitpick is Scorpion says his catchphrase. This entire time, he's been in hell for centuries, only knowing how to speak Japanese. But I'm glad the fans got to hear him say, get over here, even though that's the only English sentence he speaks. And then he just goes back to speaking Japanese. He, uh, Someone in hell taught him that, probably. Yeah, he's like, oh, no. I, I don't know. Like, when you go up, like, you're going to rematch the guy who killed you and your family? Cool. Okay, say this to him. Like, Tell him to get over here. Yeah. Like, say, get over here. He's going to be so scared. He's going to shit his pants, like, dude. Oh, get over here? Like, that doesn't even... No, trust me. It's going to hit whenever when you're in the heat of the moment. Dude, trust me, okay? And then also uh he he speaks in Japanese to well he tells Cole Young that like, "Oh, let my bloodline live on." And I'm like in my head I'm thinking Cole Young's like, "What?" <laughs> like, I, "What the fuck is this dude saying yeah, to me I right now?" I don't speak Japanese, dude. I don't know who you are. We were just like in the locker room all of us, all before I knew it. We were back in the locker room from the beginning. I'm like, when the fuck did we get here? And then after the fight and everything, when they're back at the lockers, I'm like, oh, this is where we've been the whole fucking time. Whenever I saw the lockers again, I'm like, oh, that's where we've been. Why are the lockers covered in plastic? And <laughs> Azure was like, that's supposed to be ice. <laughs> <laughs> I love how the climactic battle at the end is back at the gym. <laughs> and then, like, the very ending of the movie is at the gym as well. And nobody just, like... All the ice is gone. The place isn't flooded. I thought, like, okay, so when they showed, like, back at the gym, I assumed that we we're going to see, like, a janitor just, like, sw- like mopping up all the freaking water. Or, like, <laughs> no. when they're walking, you hear splashes, you know, some some little, some attention to detail. I'm going to assume that that entire gym was flooded after all the ice melted, and the scene that we got happened the next day <laughs> but like apparently not who cares <laughs> who, who fucking cares it's mortal Kombat. these are gamers don't care they like video games they don't like movies so just give them something which by the way in the beginning they don't even have like a title card establishing where we are we just kind of like oh it's an asian country whatever year it's an ancient or old asian country and we don't learn it's japan until they start speaking and it says japanese in the captions they don't even give us a title card to transition like however many years later they don't even do that for us i'm like wait is cole young that baby you know what's funny i heard people walking out of the theater saying 
that guy was uh scorpion is his dad and the other guy's like no the baby was a girl and it's like no i think it was a boy but he was a girl because they say mm-hmm. like oh go tend to your sister so things like that too they could have easily established like year 18 whatever and then when you cut to after the title comes out mortal kombat you could have just said present day something yeah. real just simple like that how hard is it to write a title to make a title card for a movie you know yeah. fade it in and fade it out <laughs> i just i really wanted to like this movie i like i was on that high of godzilla versus kong and Mortal Kombat, I mean, it's not hard to mess it up. It really isn't. It's a very simple story, even though it's dealing with all these different types of things. I think the 1995 movie did it way better. Shocking. We didn't think, I, I, I did not think that. I'm like, okay, they're going to try and make it better than the 95 one. Which is not hard to do, really. No. From what I've heard, again, still haven't seen it, but uh, from what I've heard, it's not hard. And so I thought this would be like a home run. It's like, yeah. oh, in Mortal Kombat, they're getting a second chance at this. They learn from their mistakes, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Like, <laughs> yeah. wow, again, 30 years ago. Yeah. How, wh- what could go wrong? <laughs> well, when you don't hire efficient writers, this is exactly what happens. They tried to save money by just getting some guy for his first movie in both writing and directing departments. And then the veteran writer is one who wrote the original, like, the original Mortal Kombat? No, No, he wrote Doom. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. He wrote Doom, one of the worst video game movies (laughs) ever made. What was going on? What happened? Why? Why did they make this decision? Why did they decide to make a bad Mortal Kombat movie? Because at the end of the day, they decided to make this bad by planting those seeds. You reap what you sow. I just know that Robin Sho, who played the original Liu Kang is will forever be Liu Kang to me. He was such a he had a recognizable face figure style to him. I saw him in multiple 90s action movies. I love him. That's why I really want you to watch the movie uh, that original cuz it's I'm going to now. It actually leaves an impression on you even though like the ending kind of just like kind of falters out, but it's just 90s cheesy fun and I think this movie could have had a little bit more of that. They already had the dark and gritty, bloody aesthetic to it. They already had that. It was the 90s. Like this movie, I just wanted it to be finished. <laughs> that's what I said. I said, finish him. That's what I said to the movie. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for us here. Um, but, dang it. Dario sent in his ballot and everything. Funny story, Dario was actually at the Oscars. No way! He was there, and he he actually didn't go to... Oh my goodness, he didn't go to the after party, because he, he's right now, he's in the hotel room, logged on. He's waiting for us to have this recording. He's been in the waiting room the whole time. Yes, and he's still there. I, I see him. Uh, he's he's really pissed. He He's still in his tuxedo and everything. He even watched all the Mortal Kombat movies. He even did game walkthroughs of every game. I don't know why, but he's committed. Just to, he, he was excited for Mortal Kombat. Yeah. He was, we were just talking about that the other day. Yeah. And he... Dario, I'm so sorry, man. Uh, We'll get you next time. Yeah. Oh, sorry. 
<laughs> Next time you'll get over here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you uh, could uh, find me on Twitter at uh, Jackson underscore DML. And I want to know what you guys thought of the movie. So follow our social media platforms all the way around and tell us what you think. Or maybe you just want to shout out. Either way, you're all part of the panel as much as we are. I'm Dylan Martin. You can follow me on Twitter only, please, at DylanMFI. That's right, D-Y-L-A-N-M-M-5. This is The Cinema Show. Remember, all films are subjective, and it's all about perspective. Have a great day and a better tomorrow.